Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Scribe's Journey with the Three Scribes. I am Travis J. Croken, the Calm Scribe. And I'm LJ Stanton, the Pedantic Scribe. T.R. Alby, the Oddball Scribe. So tonight's episode is regarding plotting versus pantsing, and the book of the month last month to prepare us for this was Plot and Structure by James Scott Bell. What did you all think about Plot and Structure? Uh, I definitely learned a handful of hopefully extremely useful things for my next book, but it was also nice to get a little bit of validation of the, oh, okay, I already knew how to do some of this. Oh, good. Yeah, I put notes in, I put markers going through, and I found some great stuff. I found validation in it. I also found very cool ways of describing things. Like just That was one thing that really stuck out to me with James, was that he has a way of just putting things into simplistic perspective that kind of hits you on the head and makes you think like, wow, why didn't I think of describing it that way? I actually found it funny because it was, I think it was like the first chapter he was talking about views on plotting. And I've never heard of the term slumming as, as a synonym used for someone who does plotting. I was like, slumming? Generally, I associate it with something else, you know, not necessarily with plotting. But I mean, he doesn't really even go into detail on why it's called it. He just says synonym for plotting in, in this mindset is slumming. You know, something decent people don't do. I was like, decent people plot? and pants what's the deal yeah so. I, I did find that interesting and i wonder if that's something that's more common in like the literary fiction circles instead of the fantasy circles because yeah i hadn't i wasn't familiar with that concept either i know that there is a certain amount of plotting versus pantsing but there isn't usually like the antagonism that a nickname like slumming kind of brings to the front so it was definitely really interesting too yeah to read that and be like oh that's terrible <laughs> yeah, i mean it almost sets it up as a negative concept but then the entire book is about plot and summer and structure which i was like okay but the rest of it was well structured obviously and well plotted. Right. one would hope and, and plotted yeah. out it's perfect yeah. i mean you know it's... i think that was kind of a tongue and maybe a tongue-in-cheek thing that they were saying Probably. but it did kind of frame it for me like you were both saying like the snowboard versus skier the boulderer versus climber aspect of that and i think there's one is considered like snowboarders and boulderers, I think would be definitely pantsers in this scenario where you're just free-spirited, laid back, go with the flow, let things happen as they go. And the plotters are the ones that are more, in this scenario, uptight and having to have everything perfect and the perfect like S-curves going down the hill and making sure you've got your roots lined up perfectly and not just winging it as you go. I'll be honest, I only snowboard because I can't control two objects. One object on my both feet. That's that's the real reason why I can, I can choose that. But yeah, I'm like, I get the idea. But <laughs> I'm just not coordinated enough, apparently. But I'm coordinated enough to plot. Yeah, I thought it. it was a great book. It was worthwhile. It was very worthwhile. It was a great book to read. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. And again, it's one of these things. I've got all of these books that I've now compiling for references. One, I know it doesn't go along with this, but I absolutely love it. And it's going to come up in another podcast. I'm certain, but a book I do recommend for writers out there is the Rajet's Theosaurus of Words for Writers. 2,300 words, and it is a fantastic book if you're trying to find just that right word. I feel like at some point we need to have just a nice list of resources for things like that that aren't necessarily books of the month or whatever, but are just really good resources because that's a good one. And then we've just, I know we have so many others. So before we get too deep into the conversation, perhaps we should start off with the whole concept of what is plot? 
Well, it's something that you cannot have a story without, as far as I'm concerned. You don't have a story if it doesn't move somewhere. And that movement is your plot. Just like you need to have some kind of set of characters. And it can be, your your plot doesn't have to be something that is extremely technical or super involved. You don't have to write something that is like Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones or the Poppy War that has many intricate moving parts. It can be something that is very simple, like The Household Guide to Dying or even I Am Legend was a very simple plot and moved forward reasonably predictably up until the end where you get that lovely twist. But your plot is your story as far as I'm concerned. So you would say the plot is almost the vehicle that is carrying the reader along through the story. Yeah. Vehicle can be driven by your characters, but if you don't have it, your characters aren't going anywhere. I mean, it, it's what, like you said, drives them, right? I mean, even in the book we just read that he had the whole lock reference. Yeah, I think Let's that was see. lead, objective, confrontation, and knockout. Confrontation and knockout, yeah. The plot drives the character to do something, right? Otherwise, it's just going to be them sitting on a curb with a sign. Part of it is the reason of them going out and doing what they need to do. Part of it is the subplots that are just driving other aspects of their lives. It all kind of rounds out together into what is the story. And it's what intrigues your reader. It's those little things too. It can be an affectation on someone. And it's kind of the, it's the little bits of everything that make your story worthwhile. As I said, you can't have a story if you don't have plot. And that's exactly it. And the plot, to me, plot is, to be blunt, it's what makes the reader give a damn. You know, like Ted said, you can have someone with a sign sitting on the side of the road. And if they're just sitting there, that's fine. But once you put words on that sign, once you have them moving the sign a certain way, once you have them dropping the sign and going and running off to do something all of a sudden, then those are the key things that start hooking the reader's attention. That's what are they doing? Why is this happening? How is the story unfolding? And that is what's going to grab the reader by the shirt collar and drag them into the story and drag them along for the ride of going through the plot. So Unless they're a pantser, then they would grab them by the pants. <laughs> <laughs> But that is the thing. You have to have a plot. But how you go about getting that plot is very different. And that's where we get those terms of plotting versus pantsing versus everything that's in between in the middle ground. And of course, yeah, tweeners, plantsers, there's a few names and I don't I don't like any of them personally. Um, Because I think they all just sound really weird. And I don't like that for a title for myself. (laughs) But plotting tends to be the people who heavily rely on the outlines. Pantsing tend to be discovery writers. And Travis is much better about describing what a discovery writer is than I am. So I'm going to hand it off to you. So a discovery writer is what I kind of am in some ways. I'm a plotter. I'm, I guess, what you would consider a tweener, which is someone that plots, outlines, and does discovery writing. So a discovery writer is someone that will have an idea in mind. They've got characters. They know where the story is going to go. And they sit down. They chat with the characters in their mind. And they write the story as it unfolds before them. And they discover the story as it goes along. They know usually the beginning and the end and who the characters are and kind of what's going to happen. But as they start writing, the characters kind of dictate what happens and you discover the story along with your characters as you're writing it out. That's why it's called a discovery writer or being a pantser because you sit down and you're right from the seat of your pants. So, but where does world building fall into that? Do you think pantsers world build or is it only a plotting thing? I would say that pantsers do world build as they go along. And then we're going to get into this in a little bit as well. But I think pantsers world build as they go along. 
this is where revision and that kind of stuff comes into play, where you start building things out uh, after you've done the skeleton of the story and you've built on from there. Like I said, myself, if I'm doing a short story, I tend to pants. And if I have an idea that's come to me and it's just hitting me in a wave, I'll sit down and I'll just start writing it out and go that way. But if I'm doing something like The Lion of Archonomus, uh, my science fiction novel, and it's a series, then I am world building. I'm building a universe. I'm building canon. I'm building creatures and machines and spaceships and technology and all this wonderful stuff. So then I'll plot that stuff out and plot out kind of where signposts of where I want the story to go. And then I start writing. And so while I've got the signposts down, I'm kind of discovery writing as I go, because I don't know, I haven't plotted out what each scene is going to be. I'm just letting my characters take me along that road. And then I flip back and forth from plotting to, to pantsing. What about the two of you? Would you consider yourselves to be plotters, pantsers, or in-betweeners? So for short stories, because I, it's one of my inadequacies, I do not write enough short stories. That is something I am working on practicing because it is a very good practice for any novelist is to write shorts. I 100% pants those. I never have a very good idea what the characters want or what the goal of the story is going to be. I figure I've been given a world usually or a writing prompt or something like that. I generally have a word goal that I want to hit and I let the character go from there. And if I absolutely have to, then I, I will throw in some plotting if it's really not working, but short stories, pants all the way. When it comes to novels, I i am fairly like you. I do a lot of plotting for the outline, making sure I know exactly where the signposts are that I need to hit so that my story hits the beats that are so important in storytelling, you know, giving people rests and giving people emotional highs and lows and all of those things at good points for your story. That I tend to only be able to achieve if I'm plotting. So I plot out that outline relatively thoroughly. My first book, I had about a sentence per chapter and that was maybe a thousand words total for a, I think it ended up being a 42 chapter book. And this one that I'm currently working on the sequel, I have, I think my outline is closer to 3000 words because it was, it needed so much more. So you're going to, your style definitely changes as, as you learn more, but between those points, definitely discovery writer. I don't think that any character driven plot works in any other way. Characters are just fiddly. They do their own thing half the time. I'm definitely a plotter all the way. It doesn't matter what type of story it is. I remember when I wrote during high school that I had an idea in my head and I would just kind of go with it and it was more of a pantser back then, but I am so unorganized. Even back then, I was still very unorganized. But for me, when I wrote my picture book series, I had maybe a three-page outline just for the thousand words I was going to write for the, the picture book. For this middle grade novel that I, I've written, I had 20 pages of detailed, here's what's happening in this scene, here's what's going here. And, and just because I need to know exactly where things are going, because otherwise I know I'll get off on that tangent. And sometimes that does give some unexpected benefits to the story that you you weren't planning originally. As I was writing it, I try to follow to the outline. And then as I figured out that something in this outline didn't necessarily work the way I wanted it to, I kind of went a different direction. But making sure that it gets back to the next point that I wanted to drive to. And the world building aspect of it, I had to build so many different sub-stories around even just the background of what the quest was for this book. You know, like 
I had to build an entire Celtic culture that kicked the Romans out of uh, Ireland and uh, in, in the British Isles, you know, and the history behind that and some of the other things that happened thousands and thousands of years before all this, just because it all kind of fits to the story. But it's nice because I knew to myself, I was going to take those ideas and I said to myself, you know, I'm going to take them and I'm going to put it into an anthology. I'm going to write each one of those stories now out fully and develop individual characters for them so that if someone says, well, what happened in event A that's in this story? they'll be able to go back and read it and say, oh, well, that's what it was. Definitely a plotter all the way. Can't do it without it. Just very unorganized. You can tell by my office, it's a disaster. I mean, right so. that's <laughs> fantastic that you have all of that nitty gritty built in that you can branch off in, but you also know that those branches are for a different story that you know you can prune it enough that your yeah. story will remain the story you want to tell because that is definitely a worry with pantsing is that your story that you want to tell could end up going off on that branch and derailed for a while and then you try to bring it back to the point where you wanted it to be and it doesn't really work well so one of the things that's really important to keep in mind when either you're plotting or pantsing is to make sure that everything you're doing serves your story so that you don't go off on those tangents too far. I like the fact that you put in too far because it is okay to have some tangents with that. And that's something that I learned the other day in a meeting is the concept of cut the big limbs and then shake out the leaves. Yeah. When you're doing oh, I like that. Yeah. That's a great quote. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. It's from uh, Ray Peter Clark. So there's a lot of other quotes that go along with that. But that's the thing is that having those a spot to put down those tangents, having a spot to keep track of those is a great thing. And like Aldrea was saying, the fear is that if you do go off too far on one of those tangents, you come back, you can forget where you were originally were going with that story. Your brain can get so wrapped up in what was happening in sideline B that you kind of forget the core of what you were doing with story A and go along. But on that note, we do have our next topic coming up and our new recommended reading. A little bit different this time. I don't know if I trust myself enough to be able to talk about this topic. I don't know if I actually have the background and the experience to be able to talk about this next topic, but I'll just go for it anyways. Uh, so next month, we're gonna be talking about imposter syndrome. All writers, I think, suffer from it. Everyone deals with imposter syndrome. It's usually strikes at the worst possible moment when you're really into the thick of things. Things are really going well. People are paying attention to you. Eyes have been turned to you. And then you kind of shirk back and think, what am I doing? Why are they listening? Do they, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just an imposter in all of this. So the recommended reading for next month is going to be someone who has publicly, wonderfully spoken about the imposter syndrome and how it has impacted them. So the author that I'm talking about is none other than Neil Gaiman. So the book of the month or the recommended reading of the month is to take in anything from the very prolific Neil Gaiman, be it a movie, a show, a comic book, one of his novels. Just take a look at something that Neil Gaiman has had his hand on and has worked with and has written, and you will see how amazing this author is and how prolific he has been. And the fact that even he still deals with imposter syndrome. So we're going to discuss all of that next month. Getting back into the concept of outlining and plotting, I'm going to say something that is going to be extremely controversial. Everybody outlines, everybody plots. So for all the people that say that you're a strict pantser, okay, but you still plot and you still outline. The thing is when and where we do it. A plotter will be someone who will sit down and plot from the very beginning before they put pen to paper and before they start writing out. 
a tweener, as we discussed, is someone who's in between, and a pantser is someone who just sits down and starts writing. However, for a story to be successful, for a story to work, and no matter how much knowledge you have of how writing works, at some point in the process, you are going to step back and look at your story in the, as a whole, and you're going to make sure that it hits the appropriate beats that you know by heart. You're going to make sure that it doesn't fall flat in places. You're going to make sure that the story is getting carried along the right way, and that it hits the right notes. So you may not out line in the beginning, at some point you will hold up your story either mentally or physically to an outline and see how it lines up and how it works. And discovery writers or pantsers have kind of internalized the story structure, how storytelling works. A lot of writers have that ability. You know what makes a story work, what hits the beats properly and how to go along. But there is still, be it in the beginning or when you're revising or partway through, we all end up checking our stories to make sure that the plot is working, to make sure that the outline is working as we go along. And one thing that question that does come up is this concept of, well, if I plot, it's going to be formulaic. It's if I follow a plot line or an outline or a template or a structure, it's going to be formulaic. And you're right in a sense that you can take a template and plug in just bland information and spew out constant formulaic materials. But as is stated in the book, Plot and Structure, and it's stated very well, is everything is kind of based around a template. Isn't harder though for someone to do like plotting or an outline or try to apply it to outline after they've written the story? I would think that would be more difficult. I think it, it depends on how you go about your writing because outlining can be hard no matter what order you do it in. I find that it can be easy to hit on writer's block when I'm outlining ahead of time because it's kind of insert something cool and epic here because I need to get to here and I won't always know what that is. So that can be a difficult hiccup to get over when I'm writing out an outline. Whereas if I was writing in a character's head, I'd be able to just kind of flow through. And then coming back afterwards, you're having to reread your work and write down your outline. So in some ways, pantsing, you've already got your outline there. You just have to discover where your outline is and whether or not you've stuck to a good story structure when you've done it. So it, it changes, I think, the method of outlining, but your outlining will still be there and it will still be a challenge yeah. no matter what. And I, I agree with that. And I think it's something that if you've been a pantser and you're looking at the outline afterwards, it's a matter of just shifting and adjusting things a little bit because the story is there and you know you either need to build on here or cut out here and shift this scene over a little bit to kind of hit the pace that you want to go through the story. But for myself, The Line of Archonomus, I know there's going to be approximately 32 chapters in the book. I have the, or beats, 32 beats in the, in the story. And I have those 32 beats lined out. Now, some days it's 30 beats, so I'll take some out. Some days it's 36 beats, because I'll add some in as I'm going along. For the actual, that's kind of the skeleton of, or the signpost that I have set up for my story. However, actually outlined, where I know in this scene, this is what I want to have happen. I've only done up to chapter 11, and now I'm writing chapter four. I'm actually discovery writing the story, and I'm on chapter four. But as I'm going through chapter four, that'll trigger something. They'll be like, oh, you know what? In chapter 16, I need this to happen. So I go back to my outline and say, in chapter 16, I need this character to do this. And then I go back. So that's what I mean by a flip back and forth. So I don't think I've ever sat down and completely outlined from start to finish an entire story. 
I mean, I don't think you can. Even like, for instance, the book that I wrote, which is we're still editing, I came across a point where I had multiple objects that they were acquiring and using and, and losing. And I had to go back and sit there and say, oh, did I use this? Because again, it wasn't fully like vetted out. I knew these objects were going to be used. I knew how they were going to be used, but I lost track of them. So I had to go back and sit there and say, okay, I use this here. I use that here. Oh, I forgot about using this. I had to rewrite this part you know, to make sure that it just doesn't, oh, we got this great object. And next thing you know, it's in the ether somewhere and it's, you know, not being used. There's a purpose to each one of these things, supposedly. You bring you up a really good point. Every piece, right? But it's even with the plotting. But that's it, is your outline doesn't need to be a static thing. Right. So it it's, I don't think an outline at any point is ever 100%, I have completed this and I will never touch it again because your story won't grow if you just go off of the thing you thought of six months ago when you started. It's going to grow, it's going to change. And if you go and put in your outline, the things you think of the way that you know Travis was talking about of the, oh, I have a great idea for chapter 16. Let me go and write that in. I think that helps keep you focused too on the work that you're presently doing. So if you're writing chapter four or chapter 10 or whatever, and you have a great idea for later on, you don't have to go, crap, I need to go write chapter 30. You can do the, I can just put this down as a good idea into chapter 30 and then continue working on what I'm doing. See, so then it helps keep that focus. And a prime example of that is with the Lion of Archonomus. I started out with my plotting and outlining the way I had it set. And as I started detailing more and started writing and started kind of freeversing what I was working on, I realized, oh, before X happens, I need to have Y happen before that. And I would start adding in beats as I went along. And then it wasn't until I was partway into chapter two that I looked at my outline or my plot structure, which is another good thing that a plot and an outline can serve is it can show you plot holes, it can show you errors, it can show you things you've missed, characters that have gotten lazy, characters that should be dead that have unfortunately popped up again. And in this instance, <laughs> not pointing at fingers at anybody. Happen, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. But in this instance, I looked at my overall plot and realized my two main characters, because of tweaking things as I went, were now meeting for the first time in chapter eight. That doesn't work. If I didn't have the plot laid out that way, I wouldn't have realized this big mistake. I would have continued writing these scenes and then realized, well, wait a minute, this connection isn't there. So I had to take part of chapter eight, move it into chapter two, rework chapter two, take part of that, put it into chapter three and completely restructure. So it's absolutely right. Your outline, your plot is never static. Yeah. And that is a beautiful thing is that your outline is there to serve you, the storyteller, and your plot. And you hope to God that you can find your plot holes in your outline. For me, at least that's what I hope for, is that if I'm putting a plot down, putting an outline down before I write, that I will find the plot holes before I'm 89,000 words in, finished a first draft, start rereading it and go, oh, my villain knows things they shouldn't know. And now that entire plot does not work. It should never have worked. Why didn't I catch this a year ago? So we all have a lot to learn and I am excited to continue on my journey with that and learning to do better outlines to catch those kinds of issues. Speaking of that, we talked about plotting, pantsing, and in between, but we've also used other phrases as we've gone along, which are outlining, skeleton, and methods. So let's touch upon that a little bit. What are your definitions and or thoughts on skeleton outlining and methods of writing? So I am a skeleton writer. 
And it's one of the reasons why I outline first, since I take an outline and that is honestly the baby skeleton in a lot of ways. And then I write out the full-fledged plot story, everything. And that is my skeleton. And when I hit the developmental edit stage, I am not looking at my manuscript with the critical eye of I have to cut and hack and slash, which is, I think, the conventional wisdom that we hear a lot is the you finished your first draft, it's time to cut it down and trim it to size. And I cannot do that because my first draft is the barest bone skeleton and the next draft and, and many, many drafts later are all building up everything on top of that skeleton so that by the time I'm ready to send it to an editor, I finally have a fully fleshed out manuscript. Yeah, I don't do skeletons just because I want it step by step. It's mainly is because I'm unorganized and I suffer from going on tangents because I'm ADHD and that's what it is. Squirrels distract me. I think I do full outlines because I need it. And that's just the structure that, that I put myself in because otherwise I wouldn't ever get anything done. And I'm kind of the same way as LJ, where it's a skeleton. And that's what it's funny because when I'm writing on stream, I get the same kind of comments where I'm writing a scene out. People are like, well, you didn't describe the lighting. You didn't describe the atmosphere. You didn't describe what they're wearing. You didn't describe their facial reaction. And no, because that's part of the thing is I do the plotting, the outlining, get the beats down, and then I do the skeleton. Well, that's where I kind of free write and I free verse. And this is what I want to have happen as I'm writing. Uh, I get from point A to point B in the story. And then I go back and my first round of revisions, like, LJ said isn't even a revision it's fleshing out it's reading the scene now that I know what happens now that I know more about the characters because when I'm first starting a book I've just met the characters I spent a little bit of time with them beforehand but we're kind of still on a first name basis by the end of the book I know the characters intimately inside and out I know how they think how they react why they react what their character arc has been, then I can go back and fill in the detail that now makes more sense because I know how they're going to react in these scenarios. I know what their fashion sense is. I know how they like their coffee. And then I can go and build that stuff out. And then my second round of revision is what do I need to cut? What do I need to fix and build out from there? But that's the thing is, so that's, we're not, and to be clear, we're not trying to say that pantsing is better than plotting, is better than tweening, is better than outlining, is better than skeleton. If you find something that works for you, you can get the words down on the page and you can go from start to finish in your story. That's the correct method. And I don't think anyone should be holding a flag above anyone else's head saying that I can start and free, free write from start to finish and have a beautiful story come out. That's fantastic. But for some people like Ted, who's ADHD and needs to keep really focused and organized and people like me who, well, got hit by a car and suffered brain damage, I need to put stuff down on paper. <laughs> if I don't do that, what's not seen is gone. I think we all have different styles, even if it's minute, it's a little bit different. So there's no right or wrong answer. It's always nice to feel seen when you're trying to start out as a writer and hearing about different methods and different styles and whatnot can be very helpful. Because I know that when I was just starting out, it was very much the, okay, what's the right way to do this? And you go and you find tons and tons of advice online that tells you, oh, this is the way you have to do it. And it's the, okay, that might not work for you. So it's about doing your research, finding what's comfortable and finding the method that again, serves your story. If you are uncomfortable and trying to force yourself, you know, a square peg in a round hole, your story will suffer for that. So if you want to be a pantser, but you're really good at plotting, that's okay. Plot or be a tweener or a discovery writer. It's all about what serves the story and what gets your story out on paper. 
there is one thing that I would say is that I don't believe that there is any solid rules in writing. I think there's at best best practices or best recommendations. But one thing that I would put almost to the level of a rule is that you can't break the rules, you can't break the structure unless you understand how it works. And I think a lot of writers naturally are storytellers and they naturally know the rhythm and flow and beats of a story as they go through. However, learn, even if you're a pantser and you just completely work as a discovery writer, do some research. Learn what the Fichtean curve is, what Freytag's pyramid is, what the three-act story structure, the five-act story structure, the hero's journey, the monomyth. Learn what all of these story styles and structures are. Because at the very least, it's going to give you an inspiration of, wow, you know what, this other story I'm thinking about, instead of doing it in this structure that I know so well, why don't I try doing in media res? So once you understand and you know what the different outlines are and the different story structures are, then you can play with them more and you can free write a lot more because now you have a lot more tools in your tool bag to work with. I really love this topic and it is something I'm passionate about because being a writing geek for a moment, it's the plot, like we said at the beginning, the plot is what drives the story. And when you realize that you can either drive a jalopy or you can drive an Outback or you can drive a Ferrari or drive a Jeep, you're not going to drive a Ferrari through the jungle, right? So you can learning, try. You, you can it would try. just be very, it would be oh. very detrimental to the car. Don't do that to a poor Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. And you'd end up walking. But the thing is, knowing which vehicle for which terrain you're in will definitely help you along the way with what you're working. Does anyone have any final thoughts or? No, I was just thinking this would be a, a good point for the homework, right? Yep. So writers, take one of your work in progress and take a look at it. Find a structure you think might fit to it or, and see whether those elements of your plot serve the story. And I think LJ said it best earlier when she said that make sure that everything in your plot and outline should serve your story. Everything your characters do, everything that's Everything that is happening in your story should serve to apply pressure on the gas pedal and drive your story along. With that being said, thank you all very much for once more joining us for another episode of Scribe's Journey with the Three Scribes. The next episode that we do, we'll be talking about imposter syndrome. And with that, and with your homework in hand, it's time to go sharpen your quill and get back to writing.